Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders! Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. If you're uh, paying attention to the NBA playoffs, big news out of Boston. Marcus Smart has been ruled out against the Bucks tonight, so uh, that's going to be a big, big deal. The Bucks are already up 1-0 in their series against the Celtics. Really gave them the business, man. They were they really bullied them in game one, and now they don't have their guy, their engine, their Draymond Green and Marcus Smart. That's going to be a big deal. So just want to give you a quick update on that. But right now on the phone lines is our guy, one of my favorite guests to talk to each and every week. That's my man John McClain, formerly of the Houston Chronicle. Still does plenty of work for the Chronicle and other outlets out there. And, John, thank you so much for your time. As always, my man, it's always a pleasure to have you on the phone lines. And, what did you think of the NFL draft? Being here in Vegas, you've been to these drafts. You've seen plenty of them. Just what did you think of the overall presentation? It, well, the presentation for Las Vegas was fantastic. I think the NFL did a tremendous job. It looked like Las Vegas did a tremendous job. I've been there probably 20 times, and I was thinking, how long did it take them to set that up? <laughs> and how long is it taking them to, to take it down? at a time when people are wanting to come there and party and gamble. But I thought it came off great. I know a lot of people like to have it there every year, just like they'd like to have the Super Bowl in Las Vegas every year. And uh, I thought it was a tremendous visual experience from watching it on TV from NRG Stadium. And, uh, and of course, I thought the ESPN NFL Network did a tremendous job too. No, I agree 100%. And as much as I'd love to have the NFL draft here every year, let's take a year off. <laughs> let's. That was a lot of work, John. <laughs> I bet it was. And I was thinking, how many do the local people appreciate what the NFL has, is doing for Las Vegas instead of just being known as Sin City? It's a big time sports city. Mm-hmm. Now, the hockey got there first. Yep. But it looks to me like Las Vegas is going to get. They're going to lure the A's from Oakland and move them there. And it blows me away, Q, when I think about for decades, players couldn't even say Las Vegas, much less go there and bet or have any kind of function there or event. Did they go? Of course they did. Did they gamble? Of course they did. And now everybody embraces it because Las Vegas, the gambling capital of the world, is helping make the NFL owners billions of dollars and i'll tell you something else people who are football fans have never been to las vegas from watching watching the draft it's going to make a whole lot of people have never been want to go and will go yeah, I agree 100%. And I'll say this, John, when we were uh, covering the draft and there was the NFL Network guys here and the ESPN analysts, every one of them to a T told me how fortunate I was to be here now because as much as, as it's busy here right now, it's only going to get busier and it's going to get bigger and it's going to get greater to be one of those major, major sports meccas. And, and to be here now while it's growing and blowing up, I'm so fortunate. So that's that's. I think this city is going to be incredible pretty soon. 
Well, it, it already is, and they're fortunate to have you in Las Vegas and DeMond doing your show. And the fact that the, the interest is catapulted and the fact the Raiders are good and people are so fired up about McDaniels and Ziegler and Derek Carr, you know, now they know he's going to be there a while. Just think last year and the year before, people, oh, are they going to get rid of Derek Carr and start over? Now they're in the toughest division in football. Every game is going to have extra meaning. I tell you, so many Texans fans I know have already bought their tickets and hotel rooms to come out there when the Texans play there. You know, when the schedule comes out on May 12th, think of how many fans are going to be ready to sign up to go to Vegas to watch their team play. And that was one of the big reasons they spent so much to bring the Raiders there. They knew if fans in other cities are going to want to go there. They know how many Raider fans there still are in L.A. that come to the games. And if they're if they're really good and, say, competing for that division title, which would make them a Super Bowl contender, the interest will be through the roof. Yeah, it really will be. And when that schedule drops on the 12th, I'm so excited to see what kind of home games the Raiders have, what kind of primetime games they're going to have. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I expect with this division, there's going to be a lot of primetime action for sure, uh, just in the AFC West. So definitely looking forward to that. Again, we're talking with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, John, you put out on the Chronicle, you put out your, your draft grades post the draft. And, you know, they are what they are because it's only a couple days afterwards. But you gave the Raiders a D, a D plus, and a lot of Raider fans got upset and said, "Q, you better ask your boy what's going on." So I <laughs> first of it, all, I throw it out to you. What what are you? What is on your mind? What are you thinking? I have always graded differently than everybody else. I only grade what happens in the draft. I don't grade how you ended up with few picks because of a trade for a veteran player. Nobody else that I know of does that. They always take into the consideration. So I had Miami with the worst draft because they had the fewest picks. Raiders, of course, didn't pick for the first two rounds for a reason, but I didn't take into consideration the Devontae Adams trade. So the first pick, Dylan Parham, guard. I like Zamir White, the running back. There's a chance Matthew Butler, the defensive tackle from Tennessee, can contribute as a rookie. But when you don't pick the third round, you take a guard, you're not going to get a good grade from me. If I was considering Devontae Adams as part of that, of course, the grade would have been higher, but that's not what I do. All right, John, and also, you followed me on Twitter this weekend, so that's had to mention <laughs> that's a victory that on the show. Right there. I know, right? It's a victory. I felt so honored when I saw that John McClain follow come through. But John, this draft that the quarterbacks that we saw only Kenny Pickett was the only quarterback selected in the first round, and Malik Willis going to the Titans in the third. Have you seen a draft like this where the spots that players thought that they were going to go was completely different from how teams valued them? Especially at the quarterback position. It's interesting to mind because you know, going into the offseason, everybody says it's going to be a mediocre quarterback draft. Then when they started making great passes in their shorts and T-shirts, and people in the media, and I'm including in the media a lot of former general managers who had multiple drafts, former coaches, they all got caught up in it. Man, Malik Willis could go second overall to Detroit. And so people got caught up in the hype. But ultimately, common sense prevailed, and they looked at the tape when they played. Everybody knew Willis was going to need a year to develop. He threw way too many interceptions, but he's got a great arm. He can move. He's a great leader. His teammates gravitated toward him. I thought the Titans getting him in the third round was a great value pick. I thought Washington getting Sam Howell in the fifth round was a great 
value pick. Even Red Desmond Ritter going to Atlanta, uh, all those teams are going to need quarterbacks in another year. And Kenny Pickett, he might win the starting job. He started 49 games at Pitt. And I first time when they drafted him, I thought of Dan Marino. 1983, mm-hmm. Marino dying to stay in Pittsburgh, his hometown, his favorite team growing up. And they passed him up, and they took a nose tackle from Texas Tech, Gabe Rivera. And in training mm-hmm. camp, they said all he did was eat. And his nickname was Senior uh, Sack. And they, because he ate so much, they called him Senior Snack. And then he had a car wreck in mm-hmm. which he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, and he came out the back of his sports car and was paralyzed for life. And then Dan Marino, of course, in the Hall of Fame because he dropped to Miami. And Kenny Pickett, that facility there, there's an entrance there right connected. There's an entrance for Pitt, and there's an entrance for the Steelers, and they have their own offices. And Pickett said, I saw an interview, where every time he would go in the pit door, he'd look over to Steelers and wonder what it was like if he could go in through the Steelers' door, and now he does. And it's not like he's taking on a, a tough assignment trying to win the job over Mitch Trubisky. It won't surprise me if at some point this year, maybe halfway through, that Pickett is starting over Trubisky. Willis will get a year. I'm guessing Ritter will get a year behind Marcus Mariota and Washington took Sam Howell, even though they weren't looking for a quarterback. And it's funny, we talk about next year's draft of quarterbacks in which Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud from Alabama and Ohio State, if they come out as juniors in a red shirt, sophomore, they'll be first and second overall. But this time last year, they were talking about Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, Sam Howell at North Carolina, and J.T. Daniels at Georgia being candidates to be the top pick. How did that work out? Right. All right, John. Also, DeAndre Hopkins, receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, got popped for, you know, having a little something-something in his system, and he got six games. I don't know the CBA that well, but is six games, is that the first-time offense suspension, or is he a repeat offender? No, when you get popped for financing drugs, most of the time it's six games. Obviously, the appeal and lost. The reason they traded for Hollywood Brown when they did the deal, I'm thinking, okay, they did that to replace Christian Kirk. He was the second-best receiver last season. And when Hopkins went down injured, Kyler Murray's statistics plummeted. And Christian Kirk was not able to take up the slack. And yet Jacksonville gave him one of the best contracts in history for receivers. So I said, okay, they're looking for a speed guy. Hopkins has always been a possession receiver. Not because of the speed. That's why the Texans got him 27th in the first round. So uh, I thought they just wanted somebody opposite him for speed. It's obvious now they knew Hopkins was going to be suspended. The announcement was being held to after the draft because they knew it was going to get a lot of negative publicity. It's so strange. Hopkins came to the Texans in 2013, and he left it after the 2019 season. He only missed two games one in which he had a broken bone in his arm, and he told me, he, despite wearing a sling, at the last game of the season, and it was a 4-12 season, if it had meant anything, he would have played. That's how tough he is. And that's why last year I was really surprised to, to see him miss because he's not one of those guys 
when he gets champagne in his eyes, he's got to miss two or three games. I'm sorry, champagne. Shampoo in his eyes, he's got to miss two or three games. Hopkins is one tough dude. And so I knew with him missing those games, he was in bad situation. And so he'll come back determined, more determined than ever, to come back and play great, and he will. And it's so funny, in the NFL, when guys get popped for uh, violating the performance-enhancing drug rule, people just kind of shrug about it. Then when they come back, you don't ever mention it anymore. Where in baseball, when it happens, everybody freaks out. <laughs> yeah, they do. Absolutely. We're talking with John McClain here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Well, how about the other trade that happened during the draft with A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans to the Eagles, and then he gets an immediate uh, contract extension, $100 million from Philadelphia. Uh, what does that do to Mike Vrabel's team? I mean, Tennessee was looking good, but I feel like they took a step back with that trade. They did. It was shocking. Nobody saw it coming. A.J. Brown said he wanted $22 million. They wouldn't do it, and so he got $25 million a year. It is so interesting right now, guys, to see the teams that are willing to pay the wide receivers the big bucks as opposed to the ones who are not. And the ones who are not usually have good quarterbacks and think, well, we can go draft one and be guaranteed of having in four years, and uh, especially if it's a first round and uh, we'll take our chances. Phelan Burgs from Arkansas looks like A.J. Brown. Brown's 225. Burks is 225. Burks is 6'3". Brown's 6'1". But I'll tell you what, every team in the AFC South, especially the Texans, they let out a big hallelujah because <laughs> Brown burned them big time. And I don't care how good Burks is as a rookie, he ain't A.J. Brown. That means there's going to be more more pressure on Derrick Henry in the running game. And Ryan Tannehill, who has the biggest cap hit in the league, Tannehill is going to be playing for his job with Malik Willis behind him. And so they're not helping him uh, improve from last season without his leading receiver. Right. No, that, that's real. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, as soon as I mentioned A.J. Brown, DeMond put his heads down as a, as a Tennessee Titan fan. He's like, Q, you I had to bring that up. I guess he did. <laughs> I guess so. Traylon Burks is the future, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's going to have to grow up quick. He's going to have to grow up quick. John, before we let you go, I wanted to ask, what was your biggest uh, surprise from the draft? What really you know, shocked you the most that you saw? Well, when it came to weird picks, like everyone else, I was stunned when the Patriots took Cole Strange, a guard from UT Chattanooga, who they could have gotten in the second round, maybe even the third. And then um, I was shocked about the quarterbacks, especially Malik Willis, considering the potential. The fit that I thought just made so much sense and took like five seconds to make was Aiden Hutchinson, the best prospect in the draft, Mm -hmm. passed over by Jacksonville, which went for the potential of Trayvon Walker versus the production of Aiden Hutchinson. And let's be honest, how many players have we seen want to go play in, De- in Detroit <laughs> for the Lions? Right. And Hutchinson did. He's from there. His daddy's from Houston. But he's from there. It was a natural fit, and he's excited to be there. And no wonder the fans and the media are so jacked up because usually players aren't dying to go to Detroit. All right, John, I've got to ask you, because we talked about A.J. Brown a little bit. He and Debo Samuel share the same agency. Do you think that the agents are, like, they're the cause for all these all this movement with wide receivers because they're trying to jack up the prices on contracts? It goes back to uh, 
Jalen Ramsey in Jacksonville. He wanted out. He had years left on his contract. He, he got a mysterious injury, and his agent gets him to the Rams. He gets a big contract. He wins the Super Bowl. And so the agents say, hey, I can do that if you really want out. But your reputation is going to take a beating. The agents want the NFL to become like the NBA, where the agents and the players run it and they orchestrate trades to create super teams like the Heat with LeBron when LeBron won a championship with the Lakers, went back to Cleveland, won a championship. They don't want that in the NFL. The owners have always run the NFL while the unions run basketball and baseball, and the NFL will fight it. And when you think we're talking four or five receivers, that is a small percentage. But if the teams that traded for them, say the Raiders win the Super Bowl or win the division, then next year somebody's going to say, you know what, instead of drafting a receiver, I'm, I'm going to get in line and try to trade for one and pay him $30 million a year because the price of doing business goes up. Right, absolutely. Those are facts right there. And of course, when they get you, you put in all those TV deals, that streaming money. I mean, the the salary caps gambling go, oh. money. Yep, yeah, gambling money. That's right. That's got to be at the top of the list, John. You're absolutely right about that. Hey, what do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I know that you're still doing some work for the Chronicle. What you got coming out? Well, I, I'm tweeting a lot, and my Twitter is McLean M C C L A I N underscore on underscore NFL. So I've been tweeting more than I did when I was writing because they have more time to do it. And so uh, I've been getting a – I've added, since I retired, I've added like 2,000 followers. I don't know why. So i got to keep it up, and I appreciate you asking. And thank you guys very much. Q, DeMond, thank you very much. DeMond, I'll tell you this. I still think the Titans are the team to beat because Mike Brable's a hell of a coach. <laughs> Look what he did last year. He lost – the best running back in the NFL for half the season, and he didn't skip a beat. Still got home field advantage. Looked terrible in the playoffs because Tannehill was awful, but they're still going to be really good. There you My go. Man. There you go. John, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Hey, guys, thank you very much. All right, there he goes. John McClain dropping knowledge. And it's so funny when we talk about grades, and, and I'm not going to sit here and pat myself on the shoulder, but as I read his piece that he put out on the Houston Chronicle, you could tell the pattern that John wasn't giving high grades to anyone who didn't have a first-round pick. Pick. So, with the Raiders having not a pick till the third round, that's why he gave a D plus. So, don't take it personal. Not a big deal. That's just the way that he grades things. And again, grades are all a matter of opinion. So, definitely appreciate John for sharing his. Three twenty is the time. Come back. Get your calls and get your text. Six nine one eight seven. Keyword R and R. That's the Salmon Ash text line and the Raider Nation listener line at seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. We're broadcasting all the way live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Want to know from you with the draft officially in the books? Is there an area of the team, a position of the team, or two that you still are concerned about? Holla at your boys. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have GM and head coach Sean Williams of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, the newest professional lacrosse team here in Las Vegas. Got that coming up. Also on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Got a lot of good feedback. Geese Mode said, John McClain reminds me of that distant old uncle you never visit. But when you do see him, you be sure to listen because every word is a gem of wisdom. Also, he said, for the record, Q, even Vince Young never lived up to Vince Young's Texas side reputation, Texas size reputation, which is facts. In the NFL, he just he didn't. Now, at UT, he was a living legend and still is a living legend. Hell, he's got the best job in, in, in town. 
He literally, and he finds ways to mess that up. That's what's a shame. All the dude has to do is show up to a few little, you know, events, shake a couple hands, kiss a few babies, say hello, take a few pictures, and boom, he's paid. And he still finds a way to mess that up. But in the NFL, started off with a coach who didn't want him to begin with, and Jeff Fisher, and it just all went downhill from there. But the reason why Vince Young's name even came up was because I was talking about Garrett Gilbert and how I believe he's just a camp body and a camp arm, and that's all he's going to be. Hold on real quick. Yeah. For 10-year-old Demon. Vince Young was the guy. I'm sure he was. He made a Pro Bowl that first season. Oh, yeah, in Tennessee. Oh, okay, yeah. I think he was talking about college. No, 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 no. Well, 10-year-old DeMond didn't know no better. Nah, he knew enough. Yeah. <laughs> then he was on the cover of Madden. Come on, You man. didn't see, yeah, but you you didn't know what you were really watching as far as, you know, his skill set, what he was great at and what he wasn't great at. Vince wasn't the guy that was going to deep dive into a playbook. He just wasn't. He never was going to do that. He was going to use his ability, his athletic ability, which got him a long way. Vince Young was phenomenal in college. One of the best players to ever play the game in college. In college. I also We're, couldn't stand Kerry Collins either because I was looking at it. He took Vince's job. For the record, I wasn't a Kerry Collins guy either, and he played for the Raiders. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. I still blame him for injuring Randy Moss, and then we all know it went downhill after that with Randy. That's just me personally. That's cue the fan sitting in the Coliseum uh, in, in, on Mount Davis. Yelling and screaming at Kerry Collins. I'll just say that. Matter of fact, I don't know who was calling the plays. I think it was Lane Kiffin at the time. There was a game at the end of the season, and the Raiders were on the one-yard line. Every Raider fan and their mother knows that you bring in you bring in, uh, uh, you bring bring in, in anyone who's going to run the rock. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I don't know how else I start forgetting names, but you bring in, uh, who was my guy? Uh, Big Zach. Crockett, jeez, okay, Big Zach Crockett. You bring him in, and you give him the rock four times, and you let him run that thing in. Instead, they tried to do something else. They tried to throw the ball every different direction. It was against the Giants. Tried to throw the ball every different direction four times. And you know the one player that they didn't even have on the field? They didn't even have him on the field from the one-yard line. If you're going to throw the ball in the end zone, you have Randy Moss. Why is he not on the field? He wasn't even on the field in the formation as a decoy. They had him on the sideline. I'm sitting in the end zone. I'm like, what are you doing? You have Randy freaking Moss. At least have him on the field. And he was standing on the sideline. Then everyone wonders why he wanted to pout and say he wasn't a Raider. Well, because of that kind of shenanigans. Shenanigans. That's the kind of word I got to use on the radio, brother. (laughs) Let's keep it real. 702-365-9200. Who we got up first? Let's go out to uh, Raider Rod. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q. How's it going? How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. Man, you're really trying to bring up some old PTSD, aren't you? Yes, yes. Sometimes Carrie, I have those moments, man. Sometimes I have those moments. Carrie freaking Collins, man. I remember sitting in my, my first apartment, man. That dude could really ruin my 20s. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, hear you. Yeah, uh, you know, um, what I was getting at is uh, um, I love uh, I love your weekly interviews with John McClain. He's a, uh, yeah. He's he's a great old dude, just like you said, uh, just like that uncle. Um, I was listening to the show a little bit late today. I heard the news about Trayvon, man, and that is just predictably disappointing, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I called in yesterday. I didn't get to call in to your show, and I, I, I gave the Raiders a C because I felt like um, aggressively going backwards to take a one step forward wasn't necessarily – something that we should have done when there was good meat left on the bone so to speak and man i was uh you know really hoping that we could land someone like 
Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. and he was there, and then the Kobe Dean was there, and they're only a couple picks away. And uh, again, this is why I gave a C. Maybe should again a little bit less because the um, ag- the aggressive move was there, and it wasn't even super aggressive. There was a couple moves away. We could have brought in some guys that I feel like could have been day one contributors, like in the Kobe Dean. I mean, Kobe Bryant's maybe not going to be a day one contributor, but man, sure would look a whole lot better today. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Well, hey, thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And you, look, I mean, all we know when it comes to Trayvon Mullen is that he's having some kind of surgery. We don't know what kind it is. We don't know how severe it is. But just knowing that his history with injuries is just very unfortunate. And uh, I was big on corners, uh, no doubt about it, going into the draft. I thought Tariq Woolen out of UTSA was an option. thought Kobe Bryant was an option. Guess where those guys went? They both went to Seattle. They both went to Seattle, which is a place that manufactures cornerbacks, right? So Kobe Bryant's probably going to get on the on the field. I say the court because it's Kobe Bryant, but no, he'll get on the field uh, sooner rather than later. And Tariq Woolen will be a, a a project. You know, he'll be a guy that they have to build up. But uh, I think that those would have been one of those guys, if not both, would have been really good picks. So I I hear you on there, and and I do think that uh, they still need to address that corner position. Let's get one more quick call. Let's talk to Gangster Raider. What's on your mind, Gangster Gangster? They was having. I agree with the um, caller that just spoke before me because I thought we was going to take C. Bryant too. You know what I'm saying? Because I know we needed um, corners and all that. But I think we did pretty good in the draft. But my question, I got a question about um, the schedule because, you know, normally recently our preseason um, matchups have been with the, the um, Seahawks, mm-hmm. the Niners, and the Rams. And we play all of them in the regular season this year. So are we going to play them in the preseason? Or do y'all know anything about that? Are we going to play three whole other different teams? Because, That's a good you know, we, question. That's we a, played them, we yeah. played them in the preseason. And so, uh, I mean, regular season. So I don't think it's fair if we had to face them in preseason. Then got to see them all three of the teams, you know, in the regular season. So have you heard anything about the preseason schedule? And also my other question is, I think um, – that seven-round pick might be a steal because he's really a tackle, but he just played guard to help the team. You know what I'm saying? If he would have played tackle, they said he would have went in the first and second round. So I think us drafting the way we did and in the seventh round, we could automatically move him in the right tackle. And then, you know, he when it's come time for him to get paid, he won't have to get paid as much as Cody Miller because we took him in the seventh round instead of the first. So I think that might be uh, might you know be um, a blessing in disguise by taking him in the seventh round. What you think, Q and Demond? All right, I'm gone. Keep it gangster. Hey, good call, man. Appreciate you. And I'll say this: when it comes to Thayer Mumford, he was a seventh round draft pick. I think that he's a guy that can compete. And if he goes in there and he earns a job, then maybe he turns into a steal. I, I'm not too sure. Uh, I don't know what you know what, what their vision is for him right now, but I think that providing as much competition along that offensive line is something that's very much needed. Uh, I like both the picks. I, I really do because I know that the competition is needed on that offensive line. So I do think that Parham and uh, you know Munford will have an opportunity to go out there and compete and earn their spot. And look, it could play out exactly how you just said it. If Munford ends up being somebody, uh, man, that could be one hell of a steal. Look, they got Jimmy Morrissey last year. I keep going back to this. They went and drafted Jimmy Morrissey last year in the seventh round, and he's a starting center right now for the the Texans. They plucked him off the Raiders practice squad to go get him because they knew the ability that he had and they saw the ability that he had. So not saying that you can't get a good player in the seventh round. It's, it's, it's always a little bit tougher, but you can do it if you have some really good scouting. As far as that schedule, I didn't even think about that. You're right with those preseason games. Those are traditionally who the Raiders play in the preseason. What are they going to do? I know the year that they had to play the Rams in the regular season, they did play him in the preseason as well, but man, three, three preseason teams. And in the regular season, that's a, I don't know, man, that's a hell of a thing. So we'll have to do some digging into that. We will find out the schedule, though, 
on the 12th. That's coming up, uh, what, nine days from now. So <laughs> it'll be Thursday, next Thursday. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday. So Thursday. So we'll have all the coverage of that for you. Coming up next, we're going to talk some Las Vegas Desert Dogs. GM and head coach Sean Williams is going to join the show. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Last week, the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, that name was revealed. That's the latest professional team here in Las Vegas. Box lacrosse team. We had the CEO, Mark Fine, on the show to talk about it. Talk about the logo. Talk about the team. Talk about what to expect from a game. So let's go ahead and take it a little bit further let's take a little bit deeper dive how about we talk to the general manager and the head coach sean williams who joins us now on the phone lines here on unnecessary rough this radio nation radio 920 and sean thank you for your time this afternoon and how exciting is this for you the las vegas desert dogs you're the gm and the head coach brand new team here in las vegas how's the the past few months been for you leading up to this hey first off q thanks for having me and uh yeah it's uh very exciting you know it's uh been a couple months in the works but uh we're here, and we're coming at you guys. Uh, the pack is here, like we say. Um, very exciting. Very exciting for lacrosse. Very exciting for, uh, to get involved with this, uh, this great community. How did this all come together for you? Because you look at the team ownership, and you got some big-time names there, including Wayne Gretzky, Dustin Johnson, Steve Nash, Joe Sy. How did all this come together for you, and how did you know that this was right for you? Yeah, to be honest, I was, uh, I was coaching with uh, uh, the Colorado franchise out of Denver and uh, just heard that uh, – Las Vegas was naming a franchise, and uh, I put my uh, put my name in the ring. I was an assistant coach at the time, and I was looking to, to you know to possibly make a jump up. And uh, you know, obviously with that <laughs> with that ownership group, it's uh, it wouldn't be that hard to you know if they got the job to be to love to be a part of it. And uh, I just took a chance and uh, got through the interview process. And lucky enough, I'm uh, they chose me to help lead and uh, help be a part of this community. With the ownership, uh, the ownership group that we just talked about, did that to you kind of sign, uh, show a sign of commitment as well that hey, they were going to see this whole thing through and really want this team to be successful? Well, absolutely. You know, I've been uh, part of this uh, the league for you know a number of years now, um, and uh, to see uh, these type of owners to get get involved and uh, it, it's awesome for uh, you know it's awesome for our sport to be quite honest with you. You know, it's. Uh, and uh, to and again to become uh, part of this uh, growing uh, sports community, it's uh, another uh, you know that another check mark for sure. Talking right now with Sean Williams, he's the general manager and the head coach of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. Right now, Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. My man Demond's got one for you. Yeah, one of the differences between box lacrosse and field lacrosse is that the game that you guys have played it's more physical and it's a rougher game. But is it also as along the lines of indoor football as well, where it speeds up the pace and it's a faster paced game? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you, you can kind of, uh, it looks like it's hockey because it's in a, you know, it's basically in a hockey rink on turf. Uh, but a lot of the, a lot of the setup is like basketball, but with hitting. Uh, you know, there's lots of picks, there's lots of screens, uh, two man game. Uh, you know, but we, we're changing from, uh, defense and we have five guys on defense. They transition and get off and we have five offenses, especially guys going at their defense. It, it goes fast. There's a 30 second shot clock. Uh, you know, you're averaging about 50 shots or more per game for each team and you're averaging about 15 goals or so for each team as well so lots of uh, high-end action and like i said before there's a lot lots of hitting too 
All right, you said it's almost like basketball, and I'm not saying that there's a, the equivalent of a three-point line. Hold on line, now, son. Hold but, on now. Careful. Uh, no, but is it like some players that they have the skill to, like, shoot back even further than what's expected? Is there, like, a Steph Curry equivalent <laughs> in box lacrosse? Yeah. There is, and there, there are few and far between the shooting uh, as far as uh, Steph does. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, lots of that. you got guys that can uh, fire the ball over 100 miles an hour, and you got guys that can, uh, you know, stick fake you know, six times in front of the net, take a big hit and uh, beat the beat the goalie. So you're going to see it all. I like it. I like it a lot. Again, we're talking with uh, Sean Williams, the general manager and head coach of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Let me ask you about that because you're, you're double dipping. You're the GM and the head coach. Uh, how difficult is that? I mean, that's that's wearing a couple hats there for you, and I imagine that those hats come with a lot of work. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, obviously it's, a, it's an honor. Um you know, uh, my passion is coaching, and uh, but being involved in this league for so long, it's uh, you get to know the ins and outs. And obviously, I'm learning as I go with uh, you know some of the front office stuff. But uh, you know, having to having to get to pick the players, and uh, you know, once I get my staff and we all decide on the players, and having that decision making, you know, I, I'm I'm fine with that. And then uh, you know, we're gonna bring in uh, lots of character guys for the community to. Uh, you know, to, to, to get them involved with our community and, and grow the game of lacrosse in uh, not only Las Vegas, but the whole state of Nevada, and uh, to put a great product on the floor. And, uh, you know, I love the challenge, and uh, we're, up, we're up for it. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the community. I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. I've seen a lot of billboards. I've seen a lot of, you know, uh, welcome to the community. I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, people out and about promoting the team and everything. How important is it to be uh, not only a, a, a fun team to go watch, but be a team that the community uh, recognizes? Absolutely, and I think that just goes hand-in-hand hand with our sports. Uh, you know, the sport of lacrosse is growing, but we are a small community, and uh, – once you come into our community, uh, you, you're, you're treated. Everyone's treated as family, and that's what we want to do with uh, everyone and anyone who wants to come out and uh, come to our games or just get involved and be a part of uh, the sport of lacrosse and, and help grow that as well. It's, uh, it's it's lots of fun to go to a game, and it's also lots of fun for uh, young boys and young girls to learn and to to, to play. What? For any fans that have not been to a box lacrosse game or is just kind of getting familiar with it as they listen to us talk about it, what uh, should they expect to see? Oh man, you're gonna have uh, tons of excitement. So you know, you got the you got the uh, the music blaring as the, as the guys are playing. Uh, like I said, lots of hits, uh, lots of great passes. Uh, you know, lots of great scoring scoring opportunities. Uh, the goalies are huge. The all the players are are big these days, and they're all slashing and whacking each other and uh, trying to stop everybody from scoring. And then you got those goal scorers that. Uh, Make it very pretty, and uh, people will just kind of say, "What what happened there?" It's uh, <laughs> it's you got all in one. It's a party, and it's a it's a great event to be at. All right, coach. Now you said that you've been an assistant coach in the league for quite some time now, and you're also the GM of this team. With that expansion draft coming up, are there some players that you already have your eye on, or is that something you just got to keep under lock and key? <laughs> yeah, definitely lock and key. But uh, yeah, you know that's uh, been watching uh, been watching every minute of uh, this. Uh, this regular season and uh, just waiting for those uh, protected player lists to come out in a, in a, in a month or so. And, uh, you know, like uh, we got our scouts kind of just trying to piece it, piece it together like a puzzle. And we're just trying to, you know, we'll get, we'll have 14 players come July to start our franchise. And uh, we're excited about that. We got a text message on our salmon ass text line. It said GM coach definitely needs to try out to be a player as well. If Brady and LeBron can make 40, the new 30 Williams can make the team and go Warren moon on them. Go desert dogs. How about that? Yeah, I'll take that. I, I uh, that'll be a tough one as a GM. 
bringing myself on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to lucky enough to play in the league uh, for 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 quite a while. But uh, you know, I'm good. I'm good being uh, on the other side now for sure. I heard that. What is the what does the the sport mean to you? Because as you said, you played it for a long time, been around it for a very long time. Just what does the, the sport mean? Uh, everything. You know, I, I grew up. I started playing when I was uh, three years old. Uh, my whole family's played. Uh, you know, I have uh, my oldest son. He's uh, he's going to school in the state, like down here. Uh, my daughter's a freshman as well down. So you know, we're from Canada. So uh, you know, getting the CC, see young boys and young girls uh, chasing their dreams at the universities is, is amazing. And uh, you know, my youngest boy uh, Tucker, he played. He's one of the best players to ever play. And unfortunately, he passed away when he was eight. But uh, a big thing, we you know, we carry on his legacy by. Uh, Still continuing to play for those who can't, and uh, you know, and just uh, being a part of our uh, this lacrosse community is unbelievable, and uh, we're, we we can't wait to to get more people a part of it. Yeah, no doubt, and I appreciate you sharing that, and I think that that's a, you know a good testimony right there. And just uh, sometimes we all have those kind of uh, those hurdles that that are tough to to you know like a tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, you know, we got to keep on doing what we do and and uh, using it and, and helping us kind of motivate our, ourselves to do what we do every day. So uh, I think that that's great, Coach. So keep keep up that good work, and and uh, I'm excited about this team. Excited to see what they can do out there, and uh, we're gonna be able to uh, check them out pretty soon. We're giving out grab bags and swag. Bags right now, Las Vegas Desert Dogs. Uh, you can get in, uh, ticket information at LasVegasDesertDogs.com. Uh, Coach, anything else you want to tell the community about the team? No, uh, just that uh, we're just like the you know all the banners say we're coming in hot and uh, we're going to put a team on there that everybody can be proud of. Uh, I appreciate your time today, guys. Hey, thank you, Coach. We appreciate you. We'll be talking soon. Thank you so much, guys. All right, there he goes. GM and head coach Sean Williams from the Las Vegas Desert Dogs on Twitter at Vegas Desert Dogs. And, again, if you want to check out and get some ticket information, LasVegasDesertDogs.com. We'll come back. We'll close up the show, tell you what Vinny Bonsignor has got coming up, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He's got some big-time guests coming up. We'll tell you all about that next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I had a very action-packed show today. Lots of great guests, a lot of great callers and texters. Ted DeWin started us off from The Athletic at 2.30. Talking about the Raiders third-round draft pick, Dylan Parham. Scheme fit. It's a key right there. John McClain at 3 o'clock joined us to talk all things NFL, NFL draft, a little bit of a recap. And then we just heard from the GM and the head coach of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, Sean Williams. And uh, coming up at 4 o'clock, between 4 and 6 in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, who's at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, that's Raiders HQ. He has Raiders President Dan Ventrelli coming up. Uh, he has, I believe, Sam Gordon is also coming up. Yep, yep. Uh, he's got he's got a star-studded affair. I know later on in the week he's going to have Darren Waller as well on the show. So uh, Vinny's putting in that work, and uh, make sure that you tune in uh, to Vinny 4 to 6 p.m. as uh, he's going to have a good time there uh, with uh, the Raiders president, Dan Ventrelli. But Raider Nation, we've got a few more minutes left here on Unnecessary Roughness. Definitely want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy Dave B. in the 757. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I really wanted to, to call in when the Honorable Mr. McLean was on and kind of rib him a bit about the degrade that we got. But after listening to his methodology and the fact that he was tough on, on teams that didn't have a first rounder, I'm, I'm going to give the Honorable John McLean a buy on that one. <laughs> but if, if, if we're talking about, you know, positions that we're concerned about in Raider Nation, you know, I think right now 
given the new news about uh, Trayvon Mullen going underneath the knife, I think it's got to be cornerback, my friend. Um, you know, and I know we've got that June 1st money coming, and that's probably, you know, allocated towards Hunter Renfro and, and or uh, Waller. I mean, do you see us using any of that money for maybe a cornerback? And the follow-up on that is, you know, who's, who would still be on the market for us to, to be able to uh, put that money towards? Hey, great call, my man. Thank you so much for that. And, uh, yeah, I'll say this. I don't know if the Raiders are going to spend the money or some money on somebody to as a corner to bring in as a veteran. I'll tell you what I want them to do, and I want them to do this with – every bit of my body. <laughs> I mean, I really want them to do this. I want them to find a way to get James Bradbury in Las Vegas. Simple point blank. I don't care what they have to do. If they have to trade for him, fine. If he ends up getting released by the Giants and they, and they give him some money and maybe have to overpay a little bit, fine. I believe they need to have their Casey Hayward. This regime needs to have their Casey Hayward. And what I mean by that, Casey Hayward was great for that Gus Bradley defense. He was a guy that they picked up very late in free agency, got him on a one-year deal, and gave him an opportunity to compete. Not only did he compete, he got the starting job, and he was the most productive and solid corner the Raiders had last season. And that was a veteran that knew the system, knew what, it was, re- what was required of him, and went out there and played well. Could he have done better? Sure. Could have got a couple more uh, interceptions than he had last season. I think he had one. But that's a whole team defense thing. The whole team only had six interceptions. So that's something that has to be improved. But pairing James Bradbury back with Patrick Graham would make all the sense in the world to me. Again, to me. Whatever they choose to do is on them. But I, for my money, I think that that would be the direction they need to go. So I don't care how you get them, go get them. And also to answer that second part of his question, who's still even available on the free agency market? Landon Collins is still out there at safety. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these players are going to be guys that they're still they're going to be a lot of, yeah, they're going to be missed. Joe Hayden is still out there. AJ Bouye. Nah. I mean, they're Chris Harris. Nah, nah. Kyle Fuller. Nah. Trey Waynes. Nah. <laughs> See, none of these guys are doing anything. No, for no, you. no. They're, like they're, like you said, they're free agents for a reason yes. still. Yeah. But Casey Hebert was a free agent for a reason too. And then he went out there and played, played great. I mean, I, I really will say that he did a damn good job, turned that into a nice little contract with the, uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, which is something that we talked about that we feel, felt like he was going to do. It was like, oh, bring him back, bring him back. It's like, he's going to get paid. He just turned things around. He's going to get paid. He, he, he sacrificed. He played one year on a one-year deal that was very reasonable, and he turned that into a nice contract. So kudos to him. Nelson Aguilar came to the Raiders, played on a one-year deal, you know, turned that into a nice payday in New England. I mean, there's guys that have done that. Multiple guys have done that. You know, you've seen guys get paid. Hell, you saw Zay Jones. I know he was here for more than one year, but hell, Zay Jones Ooh. turned it into a nice little bag, right? Yeah, he did, man. Jacksonville. Right. I mean, hell, Jacksonville, damn near about to pay us. <laughs> <laughs> You're a body, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, So maybe an Xavier Rhodes could be one of those. He was a dog at one point. Exactly. Trey Waynes was a hell of a player at one point. Uh, I like Joe Hayden, but he's injury prone. Kind of what the issue is going on with Trayvon Mullen. And I like, I, I would like to put it out there, I like Trayvon Mullen a lot. I don't think he's elite like some people, but I do think he's good. I think he's good enough to get it done. I just can't stand the fact that he gets banged up a lot. Even when he's in the game, a lot of times you'll see him leave the game. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, what happened? Where's Trayvon Mullen? Oh, he's gone until he's back. Just It happens. He just is one of those guys who gets banged up and nicked up quite a bit. Vegas Pete hit us up. Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. 
If Oakland gets lacrosse or any other sport, they should be called the Feral Cats. Also, as it relates to all these new startup leagues, in my 28 years here in Las Vegas, don't support losing teams. Don't show up, look at UNLV football and hoops. Oh, I get that. That's Vegas Pete right there. You're, you're right about that. That's why I don't think the A's are going to work here. Not because they're not a team that wins, because somehow they find ways to win, but they don't have any attractions. You know what I mean? They don't have... They don't have a, a, a guy. They don't have an Aaron Judge where people get excited. All rise. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't have that. I like the A's, but they just don't have any star power. And so I don't think that if they're playing here in Las Vegas, it would make sense for them to be there because on a Wednesday afternoon playing, I don't know, let's just say the Cleveland Guardians, who are you going to see? Unless you're a Cleveland Guardian fan, right? Yeah, like that. Yeah, there, there's no attraction. Like you said, they're right. not selling tickets. And we can even see that now where people are clowning them on Twitter every day when the attendance is announced. Yeah, they had, they had 2,800 fans there last night. 2,800. That's it. That is embarrassing. I'm an A's fan. I used to go to the Coliseum when it was packed. We used to sing, celebrate, good time, come on, when they won. They used to put up on, this, on, the, on the Jumbotron, 3 million fans came through the Coliseum this year. They can't get that in 12 years. <laughs> Send to win. He had a good joke. He was like, more people go to see Joel Osteen on Sundays. Man, more people go to see the Aviators, which you can hear their games right here on, on Raider Nation Radio 920. But there's more attendance at the Aviators game than there are at the A's game. One, the Aviators have a hell of a stadium. Two, they're a minor league team where they're starting to grow, and you can get excited about seeing these players. So you that's fun. fun yes. I like going to an Aviator game and being like, oh, man, this, this young cat is a minor leaguer for long. He's good. And then they get to the, the majors, and then the A's are like, yeah, this cat's good. Better give him someone else. Don't want him. It's too good. Doesn't fit our business, pro- uh, the, the way we conduct business. Ah, BS. Kick rocks. They're, like, they're, the, they're the team that has the money to live in a fat-ass mansion and chooses to live in like, like poverty houses, you know, like, like low-income homes. That's where they choose to live. Nobody chooses to live there. They just have to. The A's choose to live there, and they got the money to get it done. They can live in a big, fat house, a fat crib. They can have that Scarface house. Instead, they choose to live in a low-budget rental. Because Moneyball, man, it worked that one time. What did they win? Nothing. Exactly. And you know, I, you know what I hate about that movie? It doesn't go into it the justified. aces. It justified. Yeah. No, it doesn't go into the pitching that they had. Right. That, oh, man, you got like three aces. Uh, but it was, it was really about the fact that we – Got these guys on like some expiring deals. No, no, right. no, no, no. When you've got three aces, it makes winning a hell of a lot easier. No doubt. It makes me so angry. I get fired up every time I talk about it. And them. they traded away their ace before the start of the season. Yeah, five days to the team that they were playing that day. Like that day. That day. <laughs> like who does that, dog? Who does that? We got a text that I can't say on the a on the air. It's about the A's. It says, blank the A's, I'm done with them. And the word that's used, if it was a bird, it would be a hawk, but it's not. It's with a, starts with an F. So you say Hey, it. but the way that the. This- I know, the way they spell it is, is, is okay to say on the radio, but the way I'll say it on the radio is not okay, so I can't. But now that I said hawk with an F, you understand what it is. Yeah, like faux hawk. Hey, man, take yeah. it easy. <laughs> I already tried to clean it up the best way I could. Got Vinny and the Prez coming up next, man. Don't don't be putting nothing out there. No bad vibes, man. Get Vinny getting Vinny will get a little loose out there all of a sudden. He'll think that everything's a go. He think we're on Sirius XM or something. We ain't. Vinny Boston Yards live. Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He'll have Dan Vitrelli, the Raiders president, coming up next here on Radio Nation Radio 920.